St. Paul is a wonderful guide for all of us, reminding us on this Sunday to rejoice in the Lord always. In his letter to the Romans, he says, our salvation is closer than when we first accepted the faith. To all of you who are making promises and vows, uh, take those words to heart. There is an urgency always when St. Paul talks, always. Uh, He never lets us uh, have a moment of rest. He's always challenging us. A little bit from my homily, forgive me, um, which uh, I preach, but it really, everybody uh, heard this in Springfield. Uh, And then I have specific words, so it's not just all my homily. On the evening of March 20th, 1987, uh, Charles and Mary McCarthy returned to their home near Brockton, Massachusetts. Now, some interesting things about that couple. Uh, first of all, and, and I know their name is McCarthy, and I scratch my head on that one because they're Irish name, but uh, they're Melkite. Um, and it just so happens being belonging to the Melkite Catholic Rite, um, and, and also that, uh, just to let you know, uh, Charles is Father Charles because he is a priest. All right. The, they, they marry in the Eastern Rites, or many of them do. Okay. They had 12 children. And uh, they came home that night. And Father Charles um, was approached by, right away, the oldest of the, the daughters uh, and found out that uh, they had taken the youngest child, who was just two and a half months old, uh, in an emergency to the local hospital. Obviously, uh, they were terribly upset. The child's name was Benedicta. Mm. And um, some of you may know about this, but um, anyways, uh, when they got the child to the hospital, and it was a local one, uh, it, uh, she, she was uh, semi-conscious. Again, this is a two-and-a-half-year-old. They thought it might, first of all, be sp- spinal meningitis, but then they found out a test showed acetaminophen was she was her blood was filled with it 16 uh, times the toxic level that would literally kill someone um, it, it was unbelievable well they ended up either care flighting or getting the child to boston general as fast as they possibly could the very next day uh, her liver was basically done with. I mean, and they said that uh, Benedicta was going to need to be uh, to have a liver transplant. There's so much to this story; it's unbelievable. Um, one of them included a little boy who happened to be also uh, in uh, the same unit, and he was dying uh, around the same age. And the parents uh, came to this family and said, "You can have the liver." Of, of our child. The child's not going to, you know, the family had said that it would not survive. Well, one thing after another, after another. Um, uh, on March 22nd, okay, it's already a couple days later, at 5 p.m., Mrs. McCarthy put her hands over Benedicta and prayed in the name of the Trinity, asking for the intercession of St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. 
Now, the reason I mention this in my homily is because when, remember in the gospel, uh, Jesus is approached by John, uh, St. John the Baptist's disciples. John the Baptist, remember, is in prison. Are you the one who is to come? Are you the Messiah? And Jesus tells the disciples, go and see what, tell him what's been going on. You know, uh, the deaf hear, uh, the blind see, uh, the dead are raised, you know, and, and the lepers are cured, the paralytics can walk. That amazing list of things, of miracles. All right, so back to the story. Anyways, uh, again, this is 1987, and uh, the mother prayed and prayed. She said she prayed the prayer over and over, asking for the intercession of, of course, known as Edith Stein, but also St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. The doctors, and all the specialists, including the doctor who would testify in the case of St. Teresa, who was a teacher at Boston uh, uh, General, uh, said that there was, you know, no way, you know, this child was in really bad shape until Monday came. And the parents came into the room uh, expecting to hear more bad news. And the doctor says, we're not going to do the liver transplant. We don't think, first of all, it would work, but right now this kid's getting better very fast. And finally, little Benedicta left the hospital with no need for any medication. She was healed. That was the case that was used later on because on October 11th, 1998, St. Teresa was canonized in St. Peter's by Pope John Paul II. I include that story because, of course, it, it's for all of us. We know this story. We know this woman uh, who died and gave her life for the Lord and also on behalf of her Jewish uh, family. Uh, he, she herself being born and raised, well, Jewish, she, you know the story about her. She, at one point, she's an agnostic or whatever, and then has this and the story of her conversion is an absolutely a beautiful one. Uh, this brilliant, brilliant woman, who of course then uh, becomes a Carmelite nun. The Carmelite rule, which is what uh, the uh, the, pre, the spiritual assistant myself is supposed to uh, remind all of you who are now uh, coming. Uh, and making advances in your uh, Carmelite life. Uh, the Carmelite reminds you to live in allegiance to Jesus Christ. Um, to be diligent in meditating upon the law of the Lord. To be concerned for the needs and the good of others in our community. In your everyday life, using prudent discretion in all that you do, and of course, prayer. Um, the rules talks about a dialogue of friendship with God that ought to be nourished by his word, which will nourish the contemplative experience of Carmelite seculars in their mission in the world. I'll never forget when I was first asked to be uh, your spiritual assistant, and I so wish I 
you know, could be with you so often more, but you know my duties uh, prevent a lot of that. But I was asked by the Archbishop, what kind of mission do they have? My gosh, you know, uh, he may not have known a whole lot about, yeah, at that time, I know he knew something about the Carmelites, but anyways, you know, I said, well, I'll, I'll you know, I'll bo uh, really bone up on that and, and get back with you, Archbishop. Uh, your mission, your mission. The Carmelite secular will be able, the, the, the rule says, will be able to see through events and discover God in everything. But what also is communicated in the church, and the, the, the rule talks about the tradition of our faith, is the new light born of an encounter with God's true God, a light which touches at the core of our being and engages our minds, wills, and emotions, opening us to relationship lived in communion. So that's central to the Carmelite life. We are a community. We are united with our Lord. And the sacraments, the rule goes on to say, communicate an incarnate memory linked to the times and places of all of our lives. Baptism, confirmation, sacrament of reconciliation, uh, sacraments of commitment, and above all, of course, uh, the sacrament of Holy Eucharist. So as I have said over the 13 years now that I've been honored uh, to serve you as spiritual assistant and celebrate these wonderful days of joy and commitment, you are all on mission. You are 11, 11 in your Catholic parishes, even as we go through the beacons of light, like all of the saints, we are called to be vehicles of God's light, to let, like a stained glass window, the light of Christ shine through all of us. <laughs>